writers, agents, and publishers, for the first time since the Gutenberg Press, find themselves lost in a maze of mystery as technology alters the shape of the publishing industry. Searching for Answers is a group of writers throwing pop culture, writing, and publishing into a crucible of clarity, passion, and humor. This group is the Right Pack. Welcome back to Right Pack Radio. This is your host, David Allen Lucas, writer of things. And with me today is... Peter Green, uh, author of Crimes of Design and Ben's War with the U.S. Marines. Fedora Amos, president of Greater St. Louis Sisters in Crime, and writer of Victorian Whodunits, like Jack the Ripper in St. Louis. Jennifer Stolzer, I'm a fantasy author, picture book illustrator and author. Um, I've got a picture book coming out to hit Amazon soon. I said last week that it would probably be out already, but it's not. Okay. Because Amazon, you when it's your first time self-publishing, you have things to learn. I'll put it that way. All right. But it's well on its way, and it'll be out soon. So keep an eye out for Dog Park when it appears. That's Dog Park. Okay. Yes. And that doesn't change, by the way. Yeah. 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 Dates move. <laughs> uh, Brad R. Cook, uh, author of Awesome Steampunk and uh, other things, um, I'm sure. Uh, I also am president of St. Louis Writers Guild and uh, co-publisher over at uh, Blank Slate Press. Uh, that's about it. Uh, my name is Meredith Tate, um, author of uh, Missing Pieces, which is a dark speculative novel coming out next year, and I like anything dark and speculative. <laughs> <laughs> she likes the spooky. Go on. I do. I'm Melanie Claney, and I'm sensing a theme here. Pretty much everyone here writes things that are a bit dark, if you think about it. I write picture books. (laughs) I've seen your picture books. (laughs) Dark. Dark picture books. That is true. I do have a picture book about spiders eating things. The dog park is also about dogs uh, being forced to fight within the park for their lives. (laughs) That is not true. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Dog park means Hunger Games. Okay, no. Oh, uh, I'm Matt McGraw. I'm an amateur short story writer uh, looking to turn pro with a picture book called Patrick the Spider. The crayon may not be about spiders eating things. Uh, yes. Let's hope it is. There's some, there's some mastication going on. In that. <laughs> Just point blank, it's a picture book that's not for kids. Uh, well, you know, maybe if you think your kid is a little ahead of the curve. Opposed to Dog Park, which is a picture book for kids. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> maybe if you think your kid's a little behind the curve. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> Note he is an amateur writer, not a publicist. professional publicist. Right. <laughs> and on that note, let's talk about writing, like we always do. Except for this time, I'm going to toss out a question. Why be a writer? I mean, there's an old saying that goes, if a kid comes up to you and says, Hi, I want to be a writer, kill them at the moment so they can die happy. Oh my goodness. Speaking of dark. <laughs> and then put him in the dog park. <laughs> wow. Anyway, um, we go through a lot as writers. First off, let's a few some of the negative stuff, and then I'm gonna let everybody else take over on the positive. Some of the negative stuff is first off, we don't get sick days, really. Nobody pays us for being sick. I was going to say, nobody pays you for having sick days. Right. We get them. We get them. <laughs> and usually we're working on working those during those days, too. But you don't get sick days as far as someone paying you. You don't get vacation days. Usually you're working on your vacation. 
Don't you, get health insurance. You don't get the payday. You don't get payday. Every two weeks, there isn't this beautiful check that shows up that is worth like a fair amount of money in cash that represents the work you just spent the last two weeks doing. It exactly. doesn't work that way. You don't uh, get we, three, we get right. the checks, but they 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 come in regularly and they're not as big as you want. And they're always for different amounts. Exactly. <laughs> You don't get the respect from people who are not writers outside the writing industry. They're like, oh, so you you don't have a real job? You don't have a real full-time job? Or, oh, you're the father, mother of Joe Blow, and you're working from home. Can you have time to make this for the classroom? You don't have a job after all. Or you, um, you sit around no. and, and do nothing all day. <laughs> yeah, you sit around yeah. and do nothing all day. That must be fun. You just sit around. And yeah, eat bonbons. And think of stuff. Yeah. Yeah, we just sit around and think of stuff all day. And then the final part, final one I'm going to do is you get rejected a lot as a writer. In fact, you get rejected more frequently than the proverbial teenage boy walking around to every girl at the homecoming dance because he didn't get a date who, reje- who didn't reject him in the first place. So, with all that fun, positive imagery, why do we even bother to be a writer? Go ahead. Do you get that look on your face? So sure. <laughs> well, I think that if you even have to ask the question, you probably don't want to be one. Yes. <laughs> because your chances of making a whole lot of money, which is what I think a lot of people think about writers, mm-hmm. are about the same as your becoming a multi-millionaire actor in Hollywood. Agreed. Yeah, uh, we mean we're not all JK. I thought we all had JK money. We're not <laughs> well, all are. Tom Cruise. I, I was expecting the, tr- the truck to just pull up and dump the money. Where's that truck? It's yeah. actually worse because writers don't have a union. Actors do. There is. There's the Writers well, Guild of you America. Got, yeah, you got, and you got Screenwriters Guild. Oh, Screenwriters. Okay. Yeah, Some you, writers you've are got, You've got unions out there. You just have to qualify for them. But yeah, right. why write? Because uh, to be perfectly honest, if we could stop writing, we would stop writing. Agreed. But we can't stop, so we just keep writing and keep trying to publish. Back on that money note, you know what Elmore Leonard, whom I, I admire yeah. greatly, you know what he said about when someone asked him what they should write if they wanted to make a lot of money? Ransom notes. <laughs> I agree. I, was go- I thought that was going to be go for you know forging forging uh, checks or you know uh, yeah, criminal practices. practices yeah. Yes, we can edit his joke up a little. Yeah. Those are just our Google searches. Um, I know why I like to write. Please, I like to write because I like to read the kind of stories that I write. So I like to take all of my favorite tropes and character traits and weird little little things that I enjoy and put them all together into one thing that'll make me happy. You know, I think that instinct is why fan fiction is so popular. And then some people, that's all they need, and some people go beyond that. So So what do you do, write? Well, I got writing because uh, uh, it all started on a a trip uh, to the East Coast, and my college classmates at our 40th reunion asked me, uh, what are you going to do with the last third of your life? Because uh, most of us were going to be retiring uh, pretty soon, and uh, we we really were going to live another uh, half as long as we'd already lived, and uh, with in relative comfort and ease. And uh, uh, we really needed something. One guy said he was going to uh, uh, be a pilot. His friend said. You're, you're going to get yourself killed. He says, yeah, but now uh, 
and now I don't have to, anybody to stay alive for. So, uh, you know, I can take those chances I've always wanted to do. And that really, then, yeah. Yeah. that really inspired me. That really inspired me. Well, no, it's kind of depressing to me. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think he's got. A I got nothing to live for. Let's go plane flying. But you know what? Just weighing his options, and he thought it through rationally. So yeah, you decided to start writing because you thought that you could survive it. <laughs> <laughs> right. We well, decided to take the chance. But but also uh, a friend of ours, of my wife's, that we visited, said uh, we got talking about going back to a place where I had spent the summer when I was uh, six years old. And uh, it was on Anasquam on the Cape, and we decided to drive up there on the weekend. And afterwards, I found the place where I'd spent my sixth summer. And it, it, it was so fantastic. The thoughts and memories came flowing back. And, and uh, Mary, my wife's friend, said, you've got to write it. Uh, and, and I said, you know, I can. I've got this carton of letters in the basement, and uh, I'm going to have some time to work on it. I'm, I'm going to do this, and so that was how it all started. Um, I know that for me, um, I grew up. My mother was a children's book writer and illustrator, and I grew up around her books. And um, for me, it was just something that that I always liked to do. Um, when I had a bad day, I would come home and I would either pound out a few um, emo ballads on the piano, and then I would mm-hmm. go to the computer and I would either type out a short story or a poem. This is probably around middle school, and I mean they probably weren't very good, but they um. It, something that I did to relax and I mean I just kept growing up and kept kept going at it because for me it was just something I really enjoyed doing. So it's genetic. I like that. Apparently. <laughs> uh, for me it was kind of, it's uh, it starts off when I was super young and then you know you could dive into psychology to probably ask a thousand reasons for that. Uh, mm-hmm. But in elementary school we started writing books. My creative writing teacher had us create books and illustrate them. I still have those and you know it comes out of love for that but for me I've always written, so, you know, I started off as a playwright, uh, tried to get plays produced, had a couple of them produced. That was totally fun and euphoric, uh, but, you know, you can only go so far with plays. So I switched over to novels and decided that after getting out of the corporate world that I wanted to write them full-time. Yeah, I was just thinking that the... um, Why I write, I think it's a combination of uh, wanting to learn things through writing... And also, like, self-discovery slash therapy, because you find things and... Uh, well, I was just thinking through the whole thing. I don't think there really is a good reason to be writing. Uh, we mentioned the pay is terrible. Chances of success are pretty low. There's lots of emotional damage, not just from being rejected, but... Even if you get through, you could still get embarrassed, you know, publicly. Mm-hmm. Just oh, yeah. laying bare the emotions that you're putting on the page. Exactly. Yeah, like, you know, you could end up writing Twilight, and it could come from your heart, <laughs> and, you know, you get trashed forever, mm-hmm. even by, you know, people like ourselves. I was yeah. just watching that marathon today. I feel horrible for admitting that on, on something that's going to be around forever and ever, but yeah. I was just watching that, so. Well, Stephanie Meyer's sitting atop her giant pile of money laughing exactly. at us, and she doesn't care what we do. No. She got the money and the success and stuff. That's like, because there's no good reason it has to come from the heart, your motivation. And maybe you have to be okay with having no success and just doing it... Well, I kind of just do it for fun. So I'm not, like, I have a real job, too. I'm not trying to get paid or anything quite yet. I think everybody around this table has at least one real job, if not 14. They have another way to make money. Yes, to pay the bills. 
Well, I think illustrating is pretty close to writing, though. Well, then you're welcome to start. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, I, I would mean love it's in the to. same vein. I can't draw stick figures yeah. worth a darn, so exactly. you can get it. I'm just saying that you the seem to be supporting time. yourself through... Yeah. I am freelance, yes. yes. So it's a very different skill set. It is storytelling, but I work with clients as opposed to creating my own thing most of the time. So you're bound to whatever they kind of tell you. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. I draw a lot Bad of dogs, a lot of puppies and anthropomorphic animals and uh, cute things, lots of cute things. The life of a children's illustrator. Ah, yes. <laughs> yes. Personally, I don't know about anyone else, but I'll say it for myself, I can't go without writing. I actually tried. Oh. Um, mm. Not tried because I wanted to try, tried because that's what was happening with my life at the time. And it drove me almost bonkers. Not where I need to sit on a couch and explain why I hate my mother and my father and everything else. That always helps, but though. It, it does. But it was <laughs> That's more... why we're right, because we're not sitting on the couch. <laughs> and to be That's honest, good. what you just said is 100% true. There's a lot of times in which writing, it gets that information out of me, or that emotion out of me. Mm-hmm. Well, I think that that's a very good point, Mm -hmm. that writing is one way of letting off steam, and other people have different ways. People who love sports go out and throw a ball around. People who love music will tinker out something on the piano. What we do is write, and that keeps us sane. Yeah. Or as sane as we are. As sane as we can be. (laughs) As sane as we can be with a bunch of random people living inside our brains. (laughs) Right. Just going off of what what David said of kind of like having to do it. I know that that for me, when I have an idea, I can't stop writing it. I don't. I write seven days a week, sometimes till two in the morning, and I just don't stop. And my husband will say, "Am I ever going to get to see you again?" And I say, "I don't know." When I finish this book, and I think that just <laughs> just kind of the way we're built, I guess. Yeah, yeah that's okay. how you know you got the call. <laughs> that's kind of how I started. Is it, it was like I had ideas for things. And I couldn't, I, my memory's not so great, and I couldn't remember them, so I just wrote them down to remember them. And then it sort of turned into uh, codifying and arranging things. It just kind of built up from there. Hmm. Yeah, in fact, I would actually say that, you know, there are a lot of things, like, you know, if you're really good at baseball and as a kid, then you're going to grow up and, you know, you're going to get put on a farm team, boom, you're going to get thrown up, and you're, next thing you know, you're going to be in the major leagues. Hopefully. You know, yeah, hopefully. That's how it goes for everyone. And that is, you know, or maybe you want to be an actor, you go out there, but there are all these callings, and to be honest, constant writing, staying up till two in the morning writing, that is the calling of the writer. It is. So if you're out there and you're doing this, and if you're wondering what I should be when I grow up or whatever... If you're writing all the time in journals and everything, if you're thinking of stories, if you're trying to tell stories, if you call yourself a a storyteller ever, chances are you're a writer. However, if you're planning on using becoming a writer just for your retirement fund, as some people will try to do, and I'm not talking about Peter, he's doing it because he wanted to take the chance. I'm talking about, I'm, I'm sure Brad can testify to this, I'm sure Fedora can as well, considering our positions in various literary organizations around St. Louis, I don't know. Personally, I've been approached more times than I want to even think about counting by people who are retired or getting ready to retire saying, yes, I want to write a book so I can make a lot of money during my retirement. Mm. And not it's like, a good, good luck, not a chance. Not a good light idea. If you want to write a book so you can say uh, things that you've been wanting to say all your life, that's another story. Right. 
I can write my memoir maybe when I'm old enough and everyone else is dead by that time. Your memoir is going to be really interesting. <laughs> Actually, I can't write it. I could write it, but then I have to kill everybody who read it. So, Well, you just put it in your will that it'll have to be published after you're dead. Exactly. Yeah. Just publish it after you're dead. Like Mark Twain, a couple that. hundred years after. Yeah. Just put a foreword on it that says no consequences. Yeah. <laughs> right that it's Well, I don't think you have to write with an expectation of getting it published ever. I think you can write just because it soothes your soul. Most definitely. Because you want to write poetry. I mean, Emily Dickinson tried... Yes. to get her poems published. She tried once. After that, she said, forget it. But she didn't quit writing poetry. Mm-hmm. She kept on doing that throughout her entire life with no expectation of getting it published. Well, that's where we, we all start out. And I think so many writers forget that, that that's where they start out. Just a lone person sitting in their room, scratching into a notebook or something, maybe even typing it out on a computer. But it's, it's not going anywhere. It's going to be read by them. Maybe a trusted, trusted friend. Because, you know... How many people really share some of that early work? I don't know. I mm. share a lot of stuff. Actually, I did share. I did share my first novel I wrote by hand with somebody who I wish I hadn't done. It was a teacher, but yeah, mm. mostly my first <laughs> early works. No. When I was little, I would write fan fiction, and all of my friends would wait for me to get to school so I could hand them the notebook to show them what I had written the night before. Okay. And that is how how I learned to be a writer, was because I enjoyed sharing stories. Mm -hmm. Kind of a Stephen King there. Yeah, a little bit. Should we introduce our new friend? Our our (laughs) co-host, Kathleen, has arrived. Kathleen! Sorry, I'm late. Um, My name is Kathleen Kayembe. I... uh, write stories and have fun and like this topic. (laughs) Excellent. So why be a writer in your point of view? I actually, I think that's um, an individual reason for everyone, but it changes all the time. So uh, I like doing free writes, like why I write and the answers change all the time. It doesn't, it doesn't matter on the whole, what the specific reasons are on a given day. It's more, Gives me joy and satisfaction, so that's why I'm right. Good reason. But Jennifer, um, some friends and I at school, in high school, had a series of notebooks that we would um, pass around too, and we would continue the, the stories about us and the exploits of uh, one another with our celebrity boyfriends and whatnot, mm-hmm. and it was great fun. There were a number of kidnappings. <laughs> <laughs> you were writing your own soap opera. We had so many going. It was great fun. Uh, yeah, so we did that for a long time, and that was really fun for us. That's what the first novels writing. are supposed to be. Exactly. Just every stupid little thing that makes you happy thrown in there, which is why the first novel usually ends up in a drawer, because mm-hmm. they end up being so tropey and mm-hmm. cliched, because you're putting all the things that you love in it, and it's all things that everyone's seen before, because the reason you love it is because you keep seeing it places. <laughs> well, they're all about you. They're very narcissistic. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, and so. If you're going to write anything for publication, I think you have to first consider your reader. Yes. But who is your reader, and what's the reader going to be interested in? Yes. And no. it's probably not going to be your, no, your see, own No, see, I, I think you can really <laughs> Go way too far. You can go too far with trying to write for the reader. You have to write for yourself, but there's a difference between writing well, for yourself. I think you have to write what you love, yeah. Right. Yeah. which puts you as a reader, but yeah. you, you can't write just for yourself. Write the I agree with Fedora because you have to know the audience that you're writing towards, especially if you're going to be marketing mm-hmm. towards yeah. that audience. But yeah. when does that come into play? Does that come into play in the first draft? No. 
I don't think it should. I don't I think, think anything comes in for the second first draft and then go through well, and say, I don't know. It. You should I don't know, know if this violet murder is appropriate for my middle grade. Maybe you should <laughs> take it out. Yeah. Well, it or maybe you should pick your audience based on what book you actually write. Maybe, maybe that's the case. Some writers say they always work with the audience in mind from the first draft. Mm-hmm. That's who they write for. And I think I've heard that from a lot from experienced, well-published writers. I want to go back one sentence. I want to say it was Kathleen who said, who indicated it, so I'm going to use this as an open door real fast. If you're writing, if you're a writer, or you want to be a writer, and you stop having fun as a writer, you're not doing, you're not really following the calling of a writer. You might want to look at something else. If you're not having fun at it anymore, if it's feeling like it's drudgery work, and you've got nothing else you can do, or nothing. It, 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 you, you hate going to the notebook. You hate going to the computer, the typewriter, whatever. How do you know when that's just you're in the middle of a project and you hate it because you're still in there? Well, ask me a question. Do you does hate that? Does that feeling exist a week later? Yeah. So always a chance of putting it away yeah. for a month. Well, here's the back. thing. Like, I'm yeah. just going through hell on my book trying to get it ready for publication. Mm-hmm. So as of right now, if you were to tell me you like being a writer, I'd be like, I can really handle a lot more sleep. Mm-hmm. You know? So there's that toss-up. But next week, once it's all done and I've had a lot of sleep to recover and everything, I'm going to be, like, on cloud nine again. So. Yeah, I think there are quite a few writers, even successful writers, that like certain stages of writing and don't like other stages that are necessary. So I still think, like certain stages. Yes. That's yes. what I'm going with one stage. Yeah, but like I said, in a week, I'll be back to being a happy writer. No, but see, some people never like writing the middle of the book. But you have to write the middle of the book before you can get to, you know, the, the, the next, the end or the next beginning. I think the question then becomes... Having done the writing that you don't want to, that you don't want to do, having slogged through that middle, and put down the notebook or close the type, like close the uh, laptop, do you feel satisfied that you have done good work, that you have done your work for the day? Not every day. No. Yeah, no. most days. I don't know. I always feel accomplished when when I've done something that's really hard, like writing wise. I usually get through the first draft. Go. Okay, now the real work begins. <laughs> I like to, well, I kind of give myself like a, an emotional biscuit for any amount of writing. Agreed. Because, you know, maybe you just got like a paragraph done in a day. And you could look at that and be like, oh god, I'm so far behind. The deadline's X time. What am I going to do? Give yourself a little biscuit because you at least got the paragraph done. Exactly. It's a paragraph you don't have to do tomorrow. Exactly. Uh, no, you have to do it because it turns out it's awful and it it will get just cut out. But you got to get rid of all the bad things. That's coming weeks from now. That's that's in the editing stage. Tomorrow I'm sitting down and going to keep writing the next paragraph. Yeah, I was going to say optimism and pessimism are a big part of the satisfaction emotional biscuit that you get. It needs it needs to be mostly optimism. I think. I'm liking the emotional biscuit idea too. Like I actually think I'm in the minority in that I actually can't stand writing the first draft. I love writing the second draft. I love when I have something written and I can go back and rewrite it and make it better, but the first part always oh, no, I, I hate torments the first draft me. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, you're sitting among uh, fans of revision. We love okay. revising. <laughs> I plot my first draft. That's why I look at it. And then I'm coloring it and then after that I'm rewriting it all the time. So, so as a writer... How do you feel that that affects your life outside of writing? Oh, um, it affects me because it 
ruins everything I ever partake in. <laughs> every movie I ever see, every book I ever read, every story I ever tell, I have to critique and revise and pick apart and learn from. I'm going to emphasize learn from, because it sounds like I'm being a grumpy goose and not enjoying anything, but I'm thoroughly enjoying everything. See, then it's not I'm really in, ruined. Well, I'm thoroughly enjoying taking it apart to its basic level and finding everything that's wrong with it, which some people people don't enjoy. So some people don't enjoy watching movies with me. <laughs> so no you would have been... If, some people think it's hilarious. Yes, yeah. likes watching movies. If you hadn't been a writer that. and you hadn't been an illustrator, you would have been a surgeon. No. <laughs> <laughs> oh my Meredith gosh, and no. <laughs> For me, I feel like it almost makes me feel more insecure about myself when I go home and I'm around um, a lot of my friends from home who aren't writers. and um, A lot of them, I feel like, don't really understand kind of what we do, why we would do it. And I've gotten questions like, oh, you know, why'd you get a master's degree if this is what you're going to do? And stuff like that. And it, makes, it, does make, it does make it hard to discuss with people kind of who don't do it. <laughs> well, <laughs> I love being a writer because it gives me a pass on a lot of things. <laughs> like asking questions which are too pertinent and too personal. Oh, yeah. Yeah, there's that aspect. <laughs> Shall I tell you a little incident? Oh, story time. Okay, it's story time. <laughs> I have a wonderful dental hygienist, okay, and she was cleaning my teeth, and she happened to mention that her husband got bitten twice by a brown recluse spider. I said, oh my God, what happened? What was it like? And anybody else would have thought I was absolutely nuts and probably would have said for the guys in the white coats that she knew I was a writer, so she told me. I think it's wonderful. I think as writers, people open up to us a lot. They do. And it gives you an excuse for looking up what human flesh smells like when it's burned. You know? yeah. And I just did that search the other day. Yeah. Or the, the yes, I know. tissue has to be yes. cut out from brown recluse spider. Yes. Okay. Okay. Well, I actually find that most people, the first question when they ask you, when they find out you're a writer, they have a ton of questions. Uh-huh. So I always find that I have to go around and answer a ton of questions every time somebody finds out you're a writer. And then everyone's question is, like, where's your book? And if it's not, like, on a shelf in Barnes & Noble, then you just see that, like... You know, haze come over their face. That's exactly what I was saying, yes. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say, when I've written for the day, Mm -hmm. I feel a lot better and a lot more present with people I'm around than when I haven't. Because when I haven't, there's always that back of the mind thing that says, you haven't done your work today. You haven't done what you're supposed to today. So I find being able to write and doing that makes my day better. And uh, I was going to say about what Brad said with people asking, are you a writer? I think a lot of people do want to write. Oh, yeah. I think a lot of people want to write because everybody has a story. Everyone has a story they tell. That's something I've found universal because too many people have come up to me and told me they have a great story, but they can't write it down. You know, and would I write it down or something along those lines? Or they think it's all about punctuation and spelling. Yeah. You know. They get the romance of the writer, not the... But everyone's a writer, and I believe that. I really believe that, because everyone's got a story inside of them. I'll give you a reason Which is why journals exist, and all blogs exist, and all this other kind of stuff. Amen. One pleasant surprise I discovered about being a writer is when your book is out, and your friends uh, or readers know about it, uh, they basically... um, A friend of mine sent me a book last week, and said, oh, I thought you'd really enjoy it, and... 
and here's money to buy your book and send it to this author that wrote it uh, because she will love it. Uh, and, and the book I read was wonderful. Uh, uh, the Coconut Latitudes by uh, Rita. Uh, I'll think of the last name. But <laughs> but it, it, it was, it, it, you know, it was such a touching thing from an old friend to say, you'll love this book and she'll love yours. One of the things I find, at least personally on my side, with being a writer and life outside of writers, not only do some people not understand it, but a lot of times I've either I've had relationships with or I've had family members in a situation of, you don't have time for us. You don't have, you never call. You never have, it's like, no, that's because I'm, go from one job to the next job, maybe have a break in between times to do things, and then I'm right, I'm working. I'm not sitting there watching the latest craze of reality TV. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Notice or, he didn't say he wasn't watching TV. <laughs> sometimes I do watch TV as I write, but I, and I will, I'm not going to say names because I don't want to put this person on the bus, but I'm going to use this as an example. There was somebody I had a relationship with, and I'm like, oh, you're not watching XYZ TV show? You should be watching XYZ TV show. Why aren't you watching XYZ? Because I'm writing. No, you really should find time to... If I find time to write to watch everything that everybody wants to watch and talk about around the coffee uh, coffee clutch, I have no time to write, and that's and that will drive me nuts. Has anyone else encountered the problem of your writing time or you physically writing when someone else comes in, um, not seeming to be important to those people? Like, well, whatever, just do that later. It's not. <laughs> I don't understand what the problem is if I turn on this and this and this and the noise level mounts up. Has anyone else had that? Can I jump in? I'm going to give you... Yeah. Okay. Let me give you a perfect example. Everybody around the table, I guess now I'll tell the whole world, I take care of an elderly parent. Um, I When I first had to move home, I tried to write at home. People always wonder, why am I at coffee shop? Why can I handle all the noise at a coffee shop? Okay. My dad's computer room had both his computer and my mom's electronic typewriter being a computer. In other words, she doesn't see a comp- she doesn't treat a computer like a computer. She treats it like a typewriter. Long story. Anyway, and there's a TV in there. I'm just going to give a quick example. I sit down. I'm working on a story. I could literally be typing away and the draw the gun and aim it, blah, 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 blah. In she walks, turns on the TV, sits down. Okay, I can block out, block that out. But then, as I'm continuing to type, and blah, 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 blah. David, did you see them catch, make that ball catch? David, did you see what's going on in, you, on Law and Order? Did you? As, and that is literally every three minutes. So I can't write at home. And that's a perfect example. My parents, my dad supported me through a lot in my life. But one thing that I have never truly forgiven him for is when he said, yeah, my son thinks he's a writer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I don't know if I can follow that. Um, I was just thinking that kind of, I think it's because for me, I always write on my laptop and I'll write at the kitchen mm-hmm. table, I'll write at my mm-hmm. desk. And I'm also somebody, I tend to enjoy Facebook and Twitter as much as the next person. Mm-hmm. But I think that sometimes if I am writing something, then that might look like, oh, I'm just screwing around on the internet, just so you know, doing something. Um I mean, my husband respects that, you know, he usually knows what I'm doing, but I have encountered, like, friends, my, my dad, come in the room, flip on the TV, as David says, thinks, you know, you're just screwing around the computer, you're not doing anything. Mm-hmm. Computer equals fun time. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, 
Actually, I have advice for anyone who's looking to uh, get more writing done and not have these issues. Shy of uh, homicide? <laughs> shy of homicide. Uh, live alone one. and be an antisocial jerk. <laughs> have all the time you need to do whatever you want. That's some beautiful advice. Works for me. Yeah. Yeah. I unfortunately can't accomplish that. <laughs> Can we have pets? Uh, yes, yeah, so long as it's a cat. The cats crawl on the computer, yeah, though. The cats yeah, cats crawl on the keyboard. My cat oh, that's why you type. keep the water bottle. <laughs> my cats are Mandy and I give him acknowledgments in my book. I mean, come on. You have to draw the line with the cats. Wow. I, to support the cat thing, I live with many dogs, and I can't tell you how frustrating it is to get up every three minutes and let one or the other one in or out of the house. Yeah. You need a dog door. My dogs are the size of, of humans. A dog door would be a burglar door. door. <laughs> <laughs> what about anyone else? Um, what was the original question again? Yeah. Why are we right? No. Why are we right? Oh, right, yeah. Uh, being interrupted when yeah. you're writing. Uh, yeah, coffee shops are wonderful. Yes. I go to coffee shops all the time to write. Um, I find that my writing time is best in the dead of night when the rest of the world has gone yes. to bed. Mm-hmm. Amen. So I don't have to worry about people walking in on me unless it's my mother with her eyes squinted up saying, why are you still awake? Turn the light out. And then I have to do that. And no offense, Mom. Basically, in my bio, it says that I write best during the witching hour when mm-hmm. my muses are most active. Yes. Because exactly. I tend to write late at night. My blog is called Thoughts from Midnight. Yeah. <laughs> Well, people always wondered, why did I get up at 4 o'clock in the morning? And it wasn't because someone else was coming in to interrupt me, but same idea. Everyone else is asleep, basically. Mm-hmm. And I had no telemarketers calling. Ah. Oh, you know the trick for telemarketers? You turn off your home phone's ringer off. I just don't well, at, well, when they used to bother me. Nowadays, yeah. Yeah, now if nowadays if they're ringing the telephone at home, I know any telephone call there is not for me. So I don't. So I ignore it. But I don't know. That was like, back. I actually sh- like. Well, I will not answer the phone. Call. I will not answer email. I will not touch any of that for the two three hour block of time mm-hmm. that I have decided I am going to work, and I'm just going to work. And everything else, the world, the phone, the emails and stuff is going to have no to wait. No internet access can help because otherwise, mm-hmm. I'm going to keep doing that work. I'm going to answer the emails that comes in. I'm going to pick up the phone call. I'm going to do all of that. And if I do that, I'm not writing. So yeah, you become a professional email answerer. Yeah, exactly. I think something um, that subconsciously helps support writing late at night when everyone else has shut up, which is a subtitle <laughs> that went through my head yeah. when we said everyone else is asleep. I'm, giving, I'm shaking her hand. <laughs> yes. I don't do well with interruptions, well, even writing me. interruptions. No. Um, but late at night, I know I don't have to expect all the phone calls, all the physical interruptions, all the noise of outside starting the noise of the dogs barking. My brain can focus without feeling guilty for shutting other things out. Like, I need to do this for this person. I need to be doing this right now for this person. Um, My brain can just relax. And it's not something I have to think about, like shutting off the phone. No one's going to call it two in the morning. There was a cartoon not too long ago. I saw it on Facebook, and yes, I shared it too. It was of a city. And all the lights are out, but this one little apartment light, apartment house, House and it says you can always find the writer in the city. Mm. And so it's us. We're up at late. We don't sleep, or at least not that much. Yeah. You had your hand, you're gonna no. What about anyone else? I want to know um, what or? everybody's favorite parts of writing. What what's your favorite stage? Because we've already talked about some of us liking some stages more than others. First draft. Uh, <laughs> I like I like the part where you're starting in and all the I like 
I just kind of do it all in one big spree. I don't even worry about... Well, anything, pretty much. And I like that part where I'm just going. And I just get to keep going for, like, however long I go. And then you go back and you have to make sense of it and edit out all the crappy parts. and mm, that's, that's not as fun. Mm. What I like best is those times, which come sometimes and sometimes they don't, when I get so engrossed in it that I lose all track of time. Mm. Mm. Oh, I was saying the two parts. One, because I keep needing to stop myself from doing it, which means I must like it, is world building. And the second is uh, actually the editing. <laughs> okay. Well, for me, my favorite part is generally that first draft. And why? Because it's new. To me, it's new. To me, the story hasn't unfolded yet. So there's, you know, if there's a murderer, I don't know who it is yet. I mean, you know, I might have a clue. I might have some thoughts. But that thought might change, and that might change as I get into the book. So for me, it's that one moment where I get to feel like the reader. You know, I get that same magic out of the book that the reader's going to get. And until it's all written out and until it's all there on the page and everything, I'm still getting, I'm on that journey. And I'm right there with the characters and everything like that. So that's my favorite part because I get to I get to have that magical fun. I like revising better because mm-hmm. as a plotter, and I've, I'm more of, everyone's, we discussed this in a previous episode, yes. but everyone's kind of a hybrid. Handsome pride. I, <laughs> I, uh, I rely very heavily on knowing the ending of my stories when I write them. So the first draft is really frustrating because I want to get to my favorite part, but I'm not there yet. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I'm really mm-hmm. frustrated as I write the first draft because all I want to do is motor to the the middle where the wrench gets thrown in the plot or to the end where the big finish line is. Mm-hmm. And uh, revising's fun because those things already exist and I can sit around and make and tighten it all up and make it look nice and pretty and tie the bows tighter and, and connect the strings and put the leads in. That's the fun part. The fun part is ta- leaving the story and continuing to think about it. That's the fun part. I'm kind of a combo between Brad and Jennifer in that case. Except for, with Brad, I'm more in the plot area. That's where I'm learning the characters. I'm really figuring out the story. And I feel like the like the reader for the first time in the plot, even though I'm reading a proverbial um, Cliff Notes version of exactly. what's being written. But then I become like Jen, and I'm like that proverbial tinkerer underneath the hood of an old car. Okay, how can I get that engine to run better? Ooh, what can I do to do this a little bit better? And that's the way, and that's when my revising comes in. What I absolutely hate is writing the dry areas. In fact, if I'm writing a dry area, I'm usually trying to chop it out if I can, mm-hmm. in some way, or shorten it like crazy. You're gonna say something? Yeah, I, uh, I think the most memorable moments for me in writing and the most uh, uh, enjoyable are when I've. It sometimes happens when I'm revising something I've written or sometimes when I'm uh, just reading through it and I make a connection and I realize that I've actually uh, defined a character or or identified something in the front in the uh, in the book that the reader will see that I hadn't really realized was there and I mean there have been times when I've been reduced to tears and I think that is and I said I said I did that now I'm going to take this question and put it on the on the on its head. Unless there's somebody else wants to add, real quick. I'm well, quite fond of the moments when time goes away, and the uh, epic aha moments. The uh, my subconscious rocks. 
those are wonderful. Yes, yeah, I agree. Okay, let's put this on the head. What is your least favorite part of a writing process? I'll answer right right off the bat. I hate getting the rejections back, and I hate the um, beta reader who just really read a completely different book than I wrote. Yeah. Either I've got something wrong, or they definitely weren't someplace else. For me, it's getting that first draft down, and well, okay, first draft and a first draft that makes sense. Because what I'm writing now. I realize when I get through it, I can't give it to anyone else because it doesn't make sense because I'm changing things as I go along. So, you know, the, the, the coherent first draft done. The sitting down part. Mm. <laughs> That's the this, hardest part. Yeah. Yep. Once I sit down and start, who cares about anything? But, well, the middle section is always hard, but that's still part of the sitting down for me. The psychological aspect of shut everything out and just write. That's part that I hate because I'm not as good at it as I want to be. As for me, knowing that something that I've written isn't good enough and not knowing how to fix it, that is the most frustrating thing. I know it's not good enough, but I don't know what to do about it. On the other hand, if I do figure out what to do about it, that is the moment of greatest satisfaction. Mm -hmm. I agree. You feel like a champion after that. Absolutely. Well, beyond rejection, which nobody likes and everybody hates, and yeah, yeah. it's horrible. Um, I would actually throw out for me, it's it's that like probably second or third draft, and the reason I say that is there's still a lot of crap in like 300 pages. There's a lot of work that's got to be done. That's not like a day's worth of work or a week's worth of work. I mean, we're talking like a good couple months of work ahead of you, and you know all the crap lines are still there. So by like the you know the later edits when you're revising, you're making it pretty. Most of what you're reading is really nice and pretty, and you can marry it all together or whatever. But that initial just giant sander job you have to take to the book is... This image. Yeah. <laughs> it works. Yeah. Related to that stage, I had purposely forgotten this part existed. The part where you've, you've read the book so many times, you've been over it with finer and finer tooth combs just check and get all the tangles out and you have to read it through again just to make sure and you're like no please don't please don't make me and I'm chuckling over here because I as you just said the finer and finer tooth combs I'm having a picture of space balls yep. as they comb the desert yep <laughs> oh actually no Peter and then you hand it off to an editor okay. and the editor goes oh here's a ton more changes to make but yeah. I think this, the yep. thing that I hate the most is is the need to change gears so many times as a writer mm-hmm. I mean I think we'd all love to just write all day and have people publish our stuff and send us the money but I mean that's not how it works <laughs> I wish, but oh, but the fact that you know I haven't done ago. a blog this month or this year or something, and I and I've got to uh, answer all these folks that I've engaged with on LinkedIn, and and they've they're making comments on my comments, and I've got to take time out for mm-hmm. that, and and oh my gosh. Have I, I've got a big holiday coming up that relates to my World War II biography, Veterans Day, and I don't have my Veterans Day, I literally don't have my Veterans Day blog written yet. So there you go. I mean, there's so many things nagging at you and pulling you away from what you really want to be doing. Mm-hmm. Going off of both of what Kathleen and Peter said, I think for me the most 
frustrating thing is when I've rewritten something about a bajillion times, it's ready to go, I'm reading it again, and there's still things wrong with it, and I can't <laughs> fix it, and there's another new story I want to be working on, but I'm still stuck on the old one and oh, stuck yes. trying to perfect oh, yes. it because it's still not there even after all those drafts, and mm-hmm. it drives me nuts. I'm going to butt ahead of you. Just go a quick question, and this is to Meredith and, and to all of you. Does, sometimes when you get stuck in a rut like that, do you ever feel like, okay, maybe I should start writing something else and just come yeah. back to and have a fresher eye? Well, that's what I've, I've been doing, luckily, but uh, I have a couple of deadlines I'm trying to meet, and it's very difficult to force my brain to work on this one story that I've been working on for a year when I have this other shiny one that I just want to get on paper. See, or you go whack some imaginary bad guys with a sword, and then you come back and... <laughs> It helps. Love, ca- love kata. Yes. I think sometimes you do need to get away from it yeah. oh, yes. and write a short story or or just go on vacation yes. or something and yeah. then come back. Walk away, do something else, and come back. Yeah, I've gone back to, just recently, I've gone back to how I used to write before I had to move home and take care of somebody. And as literally, I've got two projects going on at one time. So I get to a point with one, it's like, okay, okay, other one. Okay, back and forth. It's like a ping pong ball, but it keeps me engaged in the other project. But going to say Heather Sellers in her book chapter after chapter talks about the sexy next book Mm. it's going to be so much nicer to you and it's going to be so much easier (laughs) and it's going to sell so much better everyone's going to love that book (laughs) she is is a seductress this one one hates you don't don't waste your time this this doesn't have to be this way writing can Mm -hmm. be better with this sexy next book oh it's so yeah and that's a hard thing to juggle like is that book really worth my time right now? How do I... This one makes me want to kill it. And just like real life, usually not. Yeah. Yeah, grass is always greener on the other side of the septic tank. <laughs> I thought it was always Thank you, Irma, Bra- Irma Bombeck. Is that because was, of the fertilizer? Yeah, yeah I thought like it was that. greener Probably over the, fer- oh, the septic tank, down on the other side of it, but yeah. So that well, means there's too much smear of loveliness <laughs> over the top of a ton of crap? Yeah. Mm-hmm. No. And now we slipped into yet another oh. Pack Radio Talk. <laughs> you said In depth septic tank commentary. <laughs> no, we'll, we'll dig our way back out of that one. But, like, the, that, the sexy next book thing leaves me, or me, with, like, a series of half or a third finished stories mm-hmm. just, like, lining up. All the way to the horizon, like yes. oh, do you know how many stories uh, really Dave has like that? that? Yeah, yeah. Thank you. <laughs> That's okay. Of course, and my notes. my my excuse there really is, I had to take such a huge break away from. It's like okay, where it, I don't care if I do have it plotted out. It's like what's going on again? <clears throat> and when I say huge break, I, my previous position of where I was of my outside work, I literally could not take. A vacation or sick day for ten months, and so yeah, imagine being gone from something for six to ten months, and then try and get back into it. It divorces you by that. Point. It really does. You have to like saddle up to it and be like, "I love you. I'm sorry I left." Yeah, <laughs> let's try. Let, let's away. give it a try again. Let's go back to writing counseling. Okay. Not just that. Let's go on dates. Yeah, that's good. Writing dates. I'll take you to that cafe you love. <laughs> where no one's yelling at you and turning on the TV. <laughs> We'll have so much fun together. Yeah. <laughs> that damn sexy next book. It wasn't another it's book. Tempting. I was not unfaithful. I was working in <laughs> my day job to keep the battery running on you. Sliding <laughs> 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 yeah, down another slippery slope. Yeah. You're very soulful. <laughs> well, 
our last uh, tangent mm. was about poo, so I mean, you know, since you said soulful, well, that's why I object to this one. <laughs> so, since you said like soulful, since you said soulful, I'm going to jump with that. There's our next part of this topic, which is: Do you find it easy or hard, or what's the hardest part about writing from the soul? Hmm. Your your own personal experience, your own pain, your own joys. Because you're putting it out there for other people to see. You're putting basically your your heart and your soul out on the page for like your friends, your family, complete strangers to read yeah. and mm-hmm. review. And yep. it's terrifying. Getting over your internal editor. Yeah. Yep. Well, we are all introverts who expose ourselves, mm-hmm. just rip open our chest, oh, yeah. bare raw to the world. So it's one of those, um, okay, yeah. I don't know if Hemingway said it or if it's misattributed mis- uh, to him. This is, yeah, writing is easy. Just sit in front of a typewriter and open up your veins. <laughs> But, Something to that effect. Yeah, I always find it hard. I I know when I'm getting too personal and to myself. Oh, does my writing slow down? It's like somebody just dropped me out of fifth gear right to first gear. And I can feel the transmission drop. It's an emotional. It's emotionally taxing. It is. Mm-hmm. And I'm like those who go to psychologists and psychiatrists, or more psychologists, to get counseling. Work writing on the page. The angst, pains everything we've been through and we're sharing it with the world however i would also say and tell everyone that that emotional pain you're experiencing and you're imprinting onto that page makes that page amazing exactly and and that's exactly what you should be doing you should be pushing yourself no matter how you're writing you should be pushing yourselves in new ways you should be pushing your emotions in different ways doesn't that presuppose wanting to publish whatever it is you're writing at the time that's the point. You don't have to publish everything you write. In fact, you probably shouldn't publish everything you write. I know it's easier for me to be brutally honest when it's just for me. Mm-hmm. But from there, I can take it somewhere else. What you in a do story, publish, but... you really should infuse that level of, oh, yes. of emotion into because that's what makes it great. Yeah, all the what... best books out there have that emotionally wrenching quality. But does it start immediately on that page, or did it start with, with the writer and the internal dealings of the writer? Totally starts with the writer. Yeah, so that's what I... Yeah. I'm just saying, when you do get to the publishing part, when the one stuff you're going to publish, don't don't make that the bland stuff you took all your emotions out of, because that's not going to sell. Soulless undead things. The the thing about most people, unless they're actually basing specifically their character on a person or an idea, Mm -hmm. you know, every character has a piece of themselves in it. But it doesn't mean that every character is you. It just means it has a piece of you. True. You know... Mm -hmm. Even as the parts you don't want to see. Yeah. <laughs> well, Fedora, you write about crime and you wrote about Jack the Ripper. Is there a part of Jack the Ripper in you? Or? <laughs> Absolutely. A part of you and Jack the Ripper? <laughs> An interest. I, I like don't have to kill anybody. Oh, no. I can write it. <laughs> but, you know, I don't really necessarily agree with you about putting emotion on the page. I think a writer should be a little bit more detached, truthfully. Mm. Because... You need to be a bit objective, I think, in order to grasp what other people are going to read into what you do. And if they think that you're just being, you know, self-indulgent, which you might be, of course, well, if you're putting your emotion, your emotion on the page. Yeah, because you know, don't be purpley. I suppose. But I don't know what that difference is, and so I'll just stay detached. Yeah. You know, and I think that's something else, too, we don't always, we haven't, well, I know we haven't discussed here today yet, but something else too I know Brad, you and I have always had this running joke of, yeah, we'd love to have some high school teach our book so we can go in and yes. sit down and say no teacher, you're interpreting it wrong 
it the reader is blue because I wanted it to be blue. blue not You'll get that of, when you read the Iron Horseman. Yeah, um, but a lot of times it's the reader who brings something to the story that infuses the emotion that we put into it. And I've mm-hmm. noticed sometimes when it, it, this might be different for different people, mm-hmm. but sometimes. a I'm better at describing emotion when I'm not feeling that emotion and my writing gets very... I mean, if I'm writing dialogue, maybe that would be good to write when I'm feeling that emotion. But if I'm writing, you know, character description and all that, guess what? My descriptions and my quality of writing doesn't necessarily match, doesn't invoke the emotion I'm feeling while I'm writing it. He was wearing a blue shirt that was so depressing for all who looked at it because he loved me. Yeah, because... Yeah, and that's not going to necessarily grip the reader the no, same way it grips you. No, that's not necessarily the right emotion to be plugging into your book. Exactly. You know, because that's that's your character being overly emotional. Whereas, you know, where you really want to do is infuse that sense of spirit into your book, that sense of drama, the sense of emotional, you know, soul crushing. You know, that's the those are the kinds of things you want to impart. And you're not wrong about the whole being objective. I mean, the first thing they're going to teach you in journalism <clears throat> when you become a journalistic writer is not to have emotion. You've got to detach yourself from the situation so you can present it in a unbiased way. Less biased. <laughs> you, I, I, would, uh, I would phrase it this way. Write the first draft with all your emotion. Revise it without. <laughs> yeah. Because you put all the emotion in. You feel the emotion of every single character as you write it. And then you go back not feeling that emotion and realize that they are feeling way too much emotion right now. <laughs> we got to dial that back because it's hilarious. <laughs> so being a total geek and Trekkie here, um, write as McCoy, edit as Spock. There you go. <laughs> We're going to get through Kirk. a taping. When do you Kirk it, though? But when you Kirk it, <laughs> you, you Kirk, Kirk it when you're selling it. <laughs> yeah. You Kirk it when you sell it, and you Kirk it for the love scenes. <laughs> I have a book. Mm. Kirk, Buy uh, my book. Kirk, Is that what Kirk he's doing in the bedroom it. scene? <laughs> wow. Kirk would be good at querying. Yeah, Kirk queries it. Yeah, yeah. there you go. Yeah, query, query with Kirk. Yes. I like that. That sounds like a blog that needs to be written. <laughs> I nominate you, Thanks. Star Trek fan. But see, now, now you have to fanboy it and take it to its extreme and take every character uh. and figure out how they relate to writing. Uhura's for language. Scotty's yeah. editing, I don't know. Uh, I don't yeah, know. but which version of Uhura? Well, okay, Uhura didn't change that Given it all, she's got captain. Check out the authenticity <laughs> of dialogue. Uh, and, and the Zulu, representation Zulu of yeah. Yes, and he also helps with fight scenes. Yes. And Nurse Chapel is the one that you set aside and ignore. Oh. Yeah, <laughs> poor Chapel. That's mean. And it was surprise. She was awesome. She was. the shape but and so structure and soul of the book. First story. Even in the new one. Wow. Aww. Okay. <laughs> I've had to re-listen to this and decide to write that blog. Someone had their hand up, I thought. You're talking about readers reading into things all the time. You're welcome. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Begin reading in now. <laughs> well, you know, the idea of emotion on the page, uh, how do you get emotion on the page? Sometimes you're better off to, to say what my protagonist, Patrick McKenna, sees and and and... and his bodily reactions to things, rather than saying, uh, Patrick felt terrible when he saw the body. Never use the word felt. You never mm-hmm. want to. And that's my point, mm-hmm. that, that you, you don't describe his emotion. You describe 
the things that get him to his emotion. That's showing, not telling. That's exactly it. Exactly. Yeah, in not this version, but in the third draft of the book I'm writing, the first very the the first non-coherent draft of right now, um, I have a character that's empathic. So in that one, I want to both show and tell, and there are some people that can hide their thoughts, so I want her to be missing emotions, because if she can't feel it, she's not seeing it, but I want the reader to see it, and I don't know if I can pull that off. <laughs> Seems pretty subtle. <laughs> Subtlety's good, though. Yeah, if I pull it off. I'm not sure if I can. Subtlety <laughs> makes your reader feel like they're intelligent, and that's yeah. always a good thing. Mm-hmm. And the emotion you really should be playing with when you write is not your character's emotion, but the reader's yeah. emotion. Mm-hmm. But what would you guys say to people who want to write but maybe you're afraid to? Because there are a lot of people, as Brad has said, that'll come up to you and they find out you're a writer and they have all these questions and they have a story to tell, but they don't know how to tell it, go forward doing that. What would you say to them? I would say just sit down and do it. Just open up a document and just write whatever comes into your head or open up a notebook, grab a pencil, and just start doing it. Yeah, but then you have to be open to help improving it. Well, I would say step one. Step one, yeah. Well, I'd just say, like, uh, you're not going to get shot because you wrote a bad short story. Yeah. You know? mm-hmm. Like, there's... Unless you live in a dictatorship. Go ahead. Yes. <laughs> and you write something... Then your problems are bigger than screwed because I wrote a story. ton of bad short stories. <laughs> so. well, I'm going to get, mean, like, a whole the, cons- the consequences are not high. If you just write something and, like, you show it to, like, a friend, maybe, and just see how it goes, you know, it's... There's not a... There's not a high price to pay just for trying. Uh, and if you find that you do kind of well or you enjoy it or whatever, then you can proceed further. So it's a very small step to start off. You don't have to show it to anybody for that matter. Exactly. Yeah, yeah it's not cool. like a, like oh, making a movie is the comparison. By the I way, made. if you're putting it on the internet, if that's showing it to somebody, <laughs> even yeah. if it's in a password-protected file. So just if you don't want to show it to anybody, don't put it on the internet in well, any way, shape, or form. Here's the point. <laughs> I mean, you're jumping ahead to a lot. The first thing you have to do if you want to be a writer and you don't know what to do and you're not certain if you are a writer or anything like that, but you've got a lot in you and you want to get it out, get it out. Put it on the page. Put it in a document. And don't care. Don't care about the rules. Don't care about anything we've talked about here today. You know, just put words on a page. Just tell the story you want to tell. All the rest of that comes later, literally. I mean, so much. The editing, the revising, the getting it published, the caring about whether or not you're writing your blog right or not, that is all for later and way down the road. But the first thing you got to do is start writing. Don't worry about spelling. Yeah, don't worry about spelling. Don't worry about punctuation. Don't worry about any of it. structure. It doesn't matter. It's going to come out. Exactly. None of that matters till later. Mm Mm-hmm. And any old way you want to do it is is totally acceptable. If you have a dictation program, you can talk into your microphone, and it writes. uh, (laughs) Mine types better than I do. (laughs) And uh, or if you if you like longhand with a fountain pen, do it that way. Uh, Whatever uh, method you can you can get it on paper. That's all fair. Just because it it shows you that you have something to say in real physical world the biggest crime against humanity is to discourage people from trying things amen if you defeat them before they even start how do you even know they don't know what their potential is until they try and they may start poorly but that's an experience and that experience will build on other experiences 
and it's a place to start. Sometimes starting's the hardest part. So never discourage anybody from trying something. Unless it's like heroin. As Alexander the Great said, nothing is impossible to he who tries. There you go. Another one of those like kind of success sayings that goes around is uh, don't be afraid of failure, embrace it. Because when you fail and you try something, you know, you mess up, but you learn. And you'll grow and become a better person. Mm -hmm. So, you know, get the first failure in early, I guess. Guys ask a lot of girls that. Nicely and politely. Most most of the time, you learn more from a failure than a success because yeah. you don't know what about you, what you did was important for the success. And there's the saying in in martial arts or in Buddhism or something I read it recently, mm-hmm. which is all the fail all your failures prepare you for success. I was gonna point out there's a learning curve for everything. Like uh-huh. you you walk great now, I'm sure. How'd you start out? Lying down, screaming and crying a lot. Falling on your tushy. Yes. You tried to crawl. It didn't work so great. You're lucky you don't remember that. But, I mean, you did great then. You can do great now. You just need to accept being a beginner and run so. with it. Everyone falls on their tushy. Yep. yep. You fall on your tushy. And well, then just cries. Going to. Goes tantrum. Mm-hmm. So, I'm sure mine were great. Yeah. If you're going to be a writer, no, but you're going to have a lot of obstacles. Nothing fantastic that exists is ever created without jumping through some type of obstacle going over some type of road of hard of hardships. So if you are a writer and you've got that calling in you, welcome to the club. If you're not, if you're trying to write because you think it's easy and it's a fast buck, uh, you might want to go get your MBA instead. Mm-hmm. And on that note, thank you for listening to the Right Pack Radio and we'll talk to you next week. The Right Pack would like to thank STL Books for allowing us to record in their bookstore. STL Books and Gifts is St. Louis' newest independent bookstore with an emphasis on fine literature for adults and children and the most comprehensive selection of St. Louis books available anywhere. Visit them online at stlbooks.com or in person at 100 West Jefferson Avenue, Kirkwood, Missouri, 63122. Tune in next week as the Right Pack will conquer yet another pondering issue in the writing industry. Theme songs for Right Pack Radio were written and performed by Meredith Tate. All copyrights remain with her.